Let's go. Welcome to another episode of the Let's Go Hockey Podcast. Excited to be here today. Uh, I'm your co-host, Danny Heath, and with me as usual is... Pete Kamen of Elevated Hockey. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. And we had a super cool guest on today. Uh, one, because he played in the NHL, but two, because he's a native of Minnesota. And now that I live in Minnesota, I'm originally from Arizona, but now that I live here, I have a special place in my heart for anybody from, from Minnesota, which is kind of uh, the hockey the hockey hotbed of the world. At least that's what I, what I think. I'm sure some people listening might argue. But Mr. Andrew Alberts, uh, excited to have him on today. And something that I loved about it, and I'll kick it to you here in a second, Coach, but something that I loved about the interview was that everything he's doing with Sense Arena and through Project Hockey, our whole goal and mission is to leave this game better than we found it. And what he's doing with Sense Arena, which is a virtual hockey training Oculus app that allows kids to get in the game and really work on their skills without having to leave their living room. Uh, it's really cool. And so it's cool to listen to him talk about it. So I was I was fired up for that. But what uh, what are you excited about for the interview, Coach? Yeah, I mean, this is a cool one because it blends a couple of things here, and and I'm excited that we're 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 getting back into recording, and I'm, I'm excited to share this episode because, you know, he, we talked a lot about Andrew's background coming up through Minnesota hockey and and kind of the pitfalls of getting cut from teams and and not making teams and deciding where you know he you know not having options to all of a sudden getting in a path where he's going through high school hockey to USHL to college to the NHL, right? And we're going to talk all through that in the episode, but you know, blending of that, of like the, the lessons that a player can have of like sometimes getting overlooked by coaches and that's not the end of the road, but then also blending it with what he's doing today. He's, he's sharing his love for the game and staying involved in the game from a business standpoint and from a training standpoint in sensory. And I think it's a really cool technology um, with a ton of potential. Like I was at, I don't know if, if the listeners, if you haven't checked out sensory you got to check it out because it's like you said, it's an Oculus. It's a virtual reality training platform for, um, for hockey players. And it's, it's amazing. Like I've been in the, I've been, I've tried it a few years ago and then I've, I've got the newer version of it and it's, it's better and better. It's, I can definitely see so much potential for this, this app. And, and I, you know, I'll tell you what, I was at the, um, where was I? I was at the Northern Plains player development camp in Grand Forks, North Dakota, USA hockey event, these kids competing to get to nationals two weeks ago. And, uh, there was a goalie in the hallway outside of the locker room with, uh, the Oculus on yeah. and the paddles, like the, the sensors in his hands. And he was doing his pregame routine. Like, and I'd watch this kid, like he did his juggling off the wall with the balls. He did some stretches and then he like threw the Oculus on and he was going through a bunch of movement, like goaltender movements, like before he put his pads on. So like he was using it as part of his game day r- routine as like a mental warm up for before he took the ice. And I thought that was really cool. That was the first time I'd seen someone use it in a rink. But I think that this is like it opens up with the cost of ice and the cost of coaching and and all these these things that are out there. Like this is a, an avenue to really train your brain in a whole new way that I think that most players out there haven't tapped into yet. And I think that it's pretty it's a pretty interesting and and I think effective way to to really dial in some of that reaction and uh, mental like kind of mental reaction time with with within the game. For sure, it's. Uh... It's crazy what you can do with these things. And so definitely check it out. Um, and yeah, I think we're ready to jump into this interview, Coach. What do you say? Let's do it. Snuff of us chit-chatting. Let's get into Andrew Alberts and, and Sensorina and learn more about his path. Let's go. This interview was brought to you by our friends at HockeyWolf.com. If you love the game of hockey or just know someone who does, you need to visit HockeyWolf.com today. Hockey Wolf has physical locations in Montana and Washington State, but if you aren't lucky enough to live near one of their stores, you can always visit their website and place an order at any time. They have everything you need from skates and sticks to shower slips and hoodies. And for all of you coaches and organizational leaders out there, listen up because Hockey Wolf provides some of the best team sales services in all of North America. So if your team needs new helmets, maybe some gloves, boxes of tape, even some warm-up suits and training gear, Hockey Wolf has you covered. So like we always say, go support Hockey Wolf because they support us. That's H-O-C-K-E-Y-W-O-L-F.com. And hey, for all of you lacrosse players out there, make sure you visit lacrossewolf.com too. All right, let's go to the interview. Played house hockey before making the big jump to Benilde St. Margaret's and then making the jump to the Waterloo Blackhawks of the USHL. Let's 
go two years playing the USHL and was drafted to the Boston Bruins in 2001. From there, he joined the Boston College Eagles, the Division I NCAA program for four seasons. Albert was named Hockey East Best Defensive Defenseman and was a two-time NCAA All-American. Let's go! He went on to play 10 seasons of professional hockey, including seasons with the Bruins, Flyers, Hurricanes, and Canucks. He competed on Team USA in two world championships in 06-07. Let's go! Andrew Alberts, welcome to the Let's Go Hockey Podcast. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, we're excited to have you on. Thanks for coming on, Andrew. I'm, uh, as Danny said, you made the progression. And before we even started recording, you kind of threw a little story in there. We had to stop you because I really want you to share what we were just talking about with the, in regards to the house hockey. Um, so that's kind of like, maybe we just start right there. What do you think, Heater? You want to just dive right in that. that story? That's a, yes, that's a crazy story. So yeah. let's do it. So Andrew, tell us about your background in, in growing up in Minnesota. Sure. So, so, uh, growing up was great. Uh, I had a little, uh, lake behind my house. We'd always be out there skating all the time. And, and you guys know there's nothing better than outdoor skating, no rules, no coaches make up uh, the rules as you go. No blood, um, no blood, no penalty. Exactly. Pond picks. <laughs> so I was lucky in that regard. Uh, I grew up playing mostly B teams. Uh, I think I played on one, one, a team, uh, growing up. So was never the best player. Um, you know, almost all the way through, um, as I went through my younger years. And then when I came to high school, you know, you finish up Bantams obviously. And you're at that point where you realize how good players are around you. And you're kind of looking at your spots and how many spots are available, um, other players. Um, and so as a sophomore, you try out for that, that varsity team. And, and most kids obviously don't make it unless you're a stud. Uh, and I was not a stud, but either way you're, you go up for the varsity team. And, you know, they, they cut the first group after the first day. And it's like, all right, now you're trying for the JV team, the JV coaches and whatnot. And two days later, cut from that. I'm like, all right, well, I could probably play mid, midget A team, you know, no problem. Go to those tryouts for a day, got cut from that. And I'm like, I'm like, where am I going to end up? Because this is like all my buddies are playing JV right now. And I thought I was kind of at that level with them. Um, but that was not the case. So uh, I'm like, ah, junior golden. I got that then, right? So go to that tryout got cut from that team and then midget a and i'm like i'm like this i can't play house hockey i better play midget a and so went out for that tryout again got cut so i was literally like on the the bottom of the barrel like the lowest i could play which was house hockey in eden prairie at playing midget b my sophomore year and, and at that point like your dream of college in the nhl was like crushed right um, yeah. and, and as a kid though, like there's this, you, you feel a little bit of pressure, like, Hey, I got to keep making it and progressing to keep going and, and my development, you know, to get to where I want to be. Um, but in reality, getting cut and playing on that team, um, I, I had more fun playing on that team than I did the years prior, just because there was no pressure. And it was, I was one of the best players on that team and the coaches relied on me in all situations. And I just went out there and I had fun and, and didn't worry about having to score goals or play good defense or uh, it was just like a good, good team atmosphere, play together. We won a bunch of games and, and it just brought like that joy of hockey, that love and that passion uh, kind of back to, to where it should be as, as a player growing up. So it was as bad as it was at the time and how disappointed I was and crushed. It, it was probably the best thing for me moving forward in my career. You always hear like, the stories or you always hear coaches nowadays, like preach, like, Hey, it's the, it's, it's the best thing to be the best player on, on the team below versus the worst player on the team above. And I agree with that. Um, to an extent, I also think it's good to get beat up a little bit and, and play with people older than yourself. But usually that's if like you're playing on the varsity team and you have to go play on the JV team for one year, but you, you were a step below that. I mean, no offense, a step below that. And then another step below that. Right. Can you, can you dive into that a little bit more? I know you talked about like no, no pressure and stuff like that, but there had to have been something like, like this, this sucks for a second. Like there had to have been kind of that moment. Was there, was there someone that inspired you at that, at that level to, to keep going or, or what was that like? Uh, yeah, well, so, so I grew up, I was lucky enough that I had, I had three uncles that played division one hockey. So I grew up watching these guys. Uh, they played University of Minnesota and Notre Dame and, and Duluth and all very good players, captains of their teams. Um, and so I grew up like rooting for these guys, watching them on TV, going to games. And so like, that's what I, 
I wanted to be, right? I'm like, I want to go play for the U of M, the Gophers. And so as I kept dropping and playing at that lower level, that dream was getting just crushed as I went, right? Um, And so what I did is after that sophomore year, um, just for strictly schooling reasons and um, just, just, I thought it would be better off for me to change schools, um, not even for hockey, but just for the academics uh, to get into college and whatnot. And so I made the, the, the transfer over to Boston to uh, St. Margaret's. And that year, um, they decided to kind of clean house and go with a younger group, uh, which was great. And at the time, I didn't know who he was, but Jack Blatherwick. I'm sure you probably know that name, uh, yeah. Dan. Um, Pete, I'm not sure if you do or not, but uh, Blatherwick, Jack, he's, he was like the guru before there were gurus for off-ice right. training, over-speed training, um, you know, and it's all a bunch of like, like biometric stuff, um, you know, lots of sprints, lots of jumps, stuff that guys started doing the last like 15, 20 years, but he was doing it back in the eighties, like with the Olympic teams and with Herbie Brooks and those guys at university of Minnesota. And so once I got there, he kind of took me under his wing and, and he's like, uh, <laughs> he pulled me aside one day. It was, it was, it was like, I think it was before tryouts and he just said, Hey, I think you can play in the NHL. And I just started laughing at that. <laughs> Like he's like, I was, I was six, three, like a buck 65, just a string beam. And he, he had watched the scrimmages and he's like, I think he played the NHL. And I just started, I literally started laughing at him, but he's like, do you want to play in the NHL? I'm like, I'm like, yeah. He's like, he's like come see me every seventh hour. Cause the hockey players had seventh hour off. Nice. And he, he just put me through a strength program. And I, I was literally on his heel for the next four years. Um, and he actually became my trainer as I was a pro as well. So he was kind of that spark that had me believing. And actually the one person that actually believed in me besides my parents, obviously, because uh, I didn't even believe in myself at that point. So uh, once I got the vanilla, it was definitely Jack Bladewitt that kind of planted that seed and, and got me to push to where I was able to get to. Amazing. Talk about life changing, huh? Like the, the influence, like the positive impact that a good coach or, you know, just a good person can have on the, the life path of somebody. I mean, that, that story is awesome. I love it. And that's, that's what I find it kind of hard today. You find so many coaches that give up on kids of when they're 14, 15, 16, like, Oh, this kid's not going to get drafted. He's playing at a lower age level or he's played at a lower group at this age. It's like, well, why would you not give him a chance? Like kids develop at different, different stages and different rates. Like even kids that are 18, 19 that go undrafted. Sometimes those are the best players as they keep progressing and developing through their careers. So uh, as a coach and a development coach, like I, I, so I just, I keep pressing that to other coaches, like don't give up on any kid. I mean, if a kid's going to work at it and he wants to put the time in for sure, give him the time, you know? Absolutely. So. I mean, I think that's an important message for the people listening to hear. And I mean, I think a lot of people, a lot of coaches, maybe guys who've been around the game a lot, will, will, will say that and like pay lip service to that. But then, uh, I mean, what you're talking about is like real life, concrete example of like, this is, ex- I think, you know, you are a living proof of exactly what we're talking about, about giving the kid an extra chance, paying attention to the kid that's getting cut from every team and, you know, look at the, the career go from there. Um, so I love it. I love it. I, that's why I wanted to start with that story. Cause I think, you know, I mean, we could shut the mics off now. I think that's what everybody needs to hear, but no, but no I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Go back, go back and listen to that story if you're the young <laughs> kid right now. Yeah. Rewind. Seriously. Listen to it again. Um, but you know, with that, Andrew, so, I mean, I, I love that story and that got you into, into high school hockey. And then you jump oh. into the, into the USHL and, and playing Waterloo, like take it, walk us through that path from like Waterloo to, to BC and like kind of what some of those main takeaways from, okay, all of a sudden you, you, you make that jump in a four-year period from house hockey to the USHL. I mean, that's huge. So what are those takeaways from, from your experience then in the junior ranks and in the, in hockey East at BC? Uh, so, so finishing off my high school career, I, I, I was debating whether I keep playing hockey cause I hadn't, I didn't get any interest really from anybody. And, um, and so I, I applied to, after doing my, I applied to St. Thomas in Minnesota. I got accepted and I was thinking, well, should I go to school or, you know, should I try to play juniors? And then, um, you know, sure enough, Waterloo eventually came out of nowhere and just said, Hey, do you want to come play for us? You know, gave me a tender, you know, which was great, but I still had to try out and prove that I could play on the team. Um, so I decided to push school off. Um, went to Waterloo, didn't play a game till after Thanksgiving, uh, hated hockey, wanted to quit. And then we got, we got a new coach. Um, 
Scott Coburnsey came in and gave me a chance to play and things got better and progressed, obviously. Um, but the transition from high school to juniors to college, I would say, um, I think that's when you really find out um, about yourself, how hard that you can keep pushing and pressing and challenging yourself on a daily basis to get better. And at that age, I think you also see from, you know, 16 to, to 20, you see, um, I don't want to say immediate results, but like you see results quicker because you are developing so quick and you're able to put on muscle and you're getting faster and you're getting quicker. And, uh, you can do more on the ice with your skills, with your skating. Uh, and as long as you keep seeing, um, you know, yourself progressing at a, at a decent rate, the, the enthusiasm and the, uh, uh, the confidence just keeps growing and growing and growing. And so I got to juniors and I finally had a coach that believed in me and then I started playing better. And the second year I had a great start of the season, BC sobbing. And then I committed to BC and then I went to BC and they had lost all the guys from the, from the champion, uh, from the NCAA championship team that year. Um, so I just stepped in and could play 20 minutes a night. So a lot of it is luck too, that you get put in opportunities to succeed. Um, but I was surrounded by good, good players there and great coaches uh, on the defensive end. And Jerry, uh, obviously, uh, legend of the game that uh, just helped me progress into the, the, the pro the pro game as well. For sure. There's a ton of timing with it. Um, and it, like it even goes all the way down to like what hand you are and, and all that stuff. And it, it's crazy. Yeah. It, that, that's what I, I think a lot of people don't always understand that, that there's so many good players in AHL or in, in the other, the other pro leagues around the world. And for kids, for kids or players to come up and play in the NHL, like there has to be a spot, there has to be a position for exactly what you do or what you can bring to the table. Um, and sometimes it's luck, but you know, if you prepare yourself appropriately and you're putting that space, you succeed, you're going to stick around. But a lot of it, it comes down to luck. I mean, if you think about it, I played however many years and I didn't really have too many major injuries. You know, uh, obviously my, my career ended on a, separate, a bad injury, but um, I didn't break any legs. I, I broke my wrist one year, but you know, high ankle sprains, anything, collarbones, like those things will set you back. Oh, yeah. And if I see you that night or uh, a college doesn't see you play one game, you know, when you had three points or four points, you're not going to get, you know, looked at, you're not going to get remembered. So there's a luck, a luck goes into it, a, a ton of it. Big time. I played, uh, I played three years in the USHL and played a total of like 52 games just because of injury and broke my wrist three times and blah, blah, blah. And we had, we had a kid in our, our high school program who is a stud, big right-handed defenseman. But at that time, like right-handed defensemen were everywhere and everyone was yeah. looking for lefties. And so it is, it is crazy. Um, but Made your way there. Uh, you want to chat a little bit about Boston College? Like, I know, I mean, you dove into it a little bit, but, I mean, looking at your hockey DB, you played with some some absolute ball players. And was there anyone there that took you under your wing right when you got there? And what was that that first year there? What kind of experience was that? Yeah, I, I mentioned they, we had lost. I think they, they lost like eight, maybe six or seven seniors, and a couple other guys went pro. Uh, and Kalanos went pro early, and then Orpik left. Um, and so all we had is we had, uh, Alesh Dolinar and Jeff Giuliano as our two seniors and, um, coming in there, like, obviously they won the national championship. And so like, you're walking in as like, like, they're all looking at you like, Hey guys, like we need your help, but yet you have to live up to our standards. This is the BC standard. Right. right. And so we had a, we had a class of 10 kids come in. And it was actually, it was great because we all just, we pushed each other and the, the seniors and the upperclassmen, they, they were pushing us, but we were, we were the type of group that wanted to push ourselves to get to where they were. So they set the example with the work ethic and everything else kind of took care of itself. But those guys just setting the example that they set and the high bar that they set for everything, uh, it really set the tone for the career. And then on top of that, just the coaching in general, the way Jerry runs the program, and I, I had three defensive coaches just because uh, guys were in and out uh, with Scott Pollock. Uh, he was great my freshman year, just showing me, you know, basically working on the defensive part of the game. And then Ron Ralston came in and opened up my offensive part of the game. Uh, great. He's a great hockey mind himself. Um, just gets you to look at the, the, the way uh, 
different situations, the way players move, what, where support is, et cetera. Uh, and then your, Greg, sophomore, your sophomore year he came in? So, yeah, my sophomore and junior year he was there. And then uh, Greg Brown uh, came in my senior year, which he was more offensive guy, which uh, helped me with uh, that a little bit, which didn't really carry to the NHL, but that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> But it's, well, it's crazy. Like your, your points nearly doubled from your freshman to your sophomore year. So if you talk about like the impact of coaches are listening, the impact that you can have on a player, it's, there's no limit on that. So that's awesome to hear. Um, so you played there, you got, your, you played four years there and then, uh, you know, you made your, your jump to the pros, played in the NHL for a few games. And the next year you played 73 games in the national hockey league. What was, what was that jump like to go right to Boston pretty much? Um, and then what was like your first aha moment in the NHL? Um, yeah, we'll go back to the, the jump part. Um, I was fortunate enough that when we lost in the regional final uh, to Notre, North Dakota uh, my senior year. And so I ended up signing a contract with Providence Bruins because that was a lockout year, right? So they had all those, all the top end young players were down playing in that league. And it was, it was an awesome league that year. Um, oh, yeah. we, had, we had Bergeron, Brad boys. Um, in the AHL that year? In the AHL year. Yeah. Oh, wow. Gilbert, Keith Coyne, you remember those guys? Um, oh, yeah. All on an AHL team. So we had a great team and we made a run. Um, I think we made a run to the conference finals. I ended up running into a buzzsaw in, in Philly there, the Philly Phantoms, when they had like Carter join the team and Richards join the team. Uh, they, they had just a stacked team down there, which they ended up winning it. But but that was the experience that that when I went down there, it was kind of like, you know, you're sitting in the middle of 494 with cars flying by here, right? Like looking around because it's the speed that you have to catch up to, right? Like yeah. all the players are good players now, and now it's, it's figuring out the speed. Um, and so, so that took me a few games, but I had, uh, you know, I think eight or nine regular season games to, to work into it and then was playing, you know, top pairing in the playoffs. Um, so yeah. that really set me up for camp that next year. And then at camp, um, I just went in with the mentality that I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't going to let anybody take a spot for me. Like it's, this is my time. Um, I was 24 at the time. So I was an older kid. So I played juniors and then went to college for four years. Uh, but I just, I wasn't going to be denied. And I knew if I did stuff or I played a way that nobody else played on that team, that they, they couldn't say no to me. And that's what I did. I went out there, fought guys, hit guys, was a wrecking ball and just played solid D. Um, and in my head, I just, I told myself, I'm going to make this team and I'll do whatever it takes. And, you know, luckily that's, that's kind of what happened. Um, my aha moment was, one of my <laughs> one of my first or second games in the preseason, I think it was my first game. I think we were in Moncton playing, I want to say Toronto. It was Toronto. And so Linderos had signed with Toronto. And I go out there for my, it was my first shift in a D zone and I'm lined up on the boards. And Linderos is like, he's, he lines up on the hash mark next to me. And I'm just, I'm looking over. I'm like, like what am I doing on the ice? With like Gross <laughs> and Jason. Mind Alex. change. Mind change. <laughs> <laughs> and I grew up with a poster of Eric Lindros in my basement where I would shoot pucks. And I'm just like, I'm like just absolutely surreal. So <laughs> that, that was crazy. And then the other, the other crazy thing was, is one of my, I think it was one of my first games or so playing against Mario Lemieux. It's just the highlights of this guy every night, you know, and when he came like, back, to play, it's, it's like, like nightmare fuel as a defenseman. And you're like, I got to line up against Lemieux. Like, it's like, it, like him and Gretzky are the, are like the, absolute challenge right and yeah. it just like being on the ice with a guy like that that this like the aura around him and the way he controls the bike does not afraid of anything not gonna flinch not panicky about anything just the most confidence and the play and how smooth he is with everything like knows where everybody is making passes behind his back through his legs uh trying to defend him was just it, it was only the two shifts during the game but it's, it was just awesome to try to be on the ice and try to get the puck from him. It just, you could do it. So um, that, that, those were the two moments that I, I really look back on. Amazing. I love it. Yeah. Watching Lemieux clips never get old. I love watching those. It just blows me away what he could do. Yeah. And he's a move. I mean, he's like six, five, like two forty. <laughs> like can't move the guy. And he's just, yeah. he's just floating around the ice. So smooth, you know, Unreal. some, some highlights of him burning you uh, to post about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please do, because 
Perfect. Perfect. Well, Andrew, let's, uh, I, I, I was curious about something. So I love, I love kind of asking when I, when I have the opportunity to talk to someone like yourself that played in the NHL for a couple of different teams, um, you know, what I'm really curious about like locker room culture. And so, you know, over your career with the Bruins, Flyers, Hurricanes, Canucks, and, you know, it's re- interesting. One of the a guy I know that's in the league right now was recently moving locker rooms. It was, it's really cool hearing like the differences between those locker rooms or like what you pick up between and, you know, like I'm not throwing you under the bus or like, you're, you don't have to throw anybody under the bus about like, you know, the negatives or anything like that. But like that for me, that, that culture piece, even at the professional level, like they're all pros in the room, but there's still a big culture difference between locker rooms. Can you dive into that a little bit or like talk about your experiences or like what you found interesting when you're, when you're switching squads? Yeah, absolutely. So, so Boston, um, you know, being being the new guy is it's always tough. So you don't want to you don't want to really step on anybody's toes, right? And there's always like pregame routines that each guy has, the the order in which guys go to the ice. Um, I mean, you've seen the stuff that they post with with Washington. Like that's that's legit. Every locker room has that of of guys doing different funny stuff just to get them hyped up for the game, which is awesome. I think it's absolutely awesome, and, and the guys love doing it and gets you in the mind frame. Um, so in Boston. Uh, as a, as a rookie, you're just kind of like quiet, taken and everything. And we had Joe Thornton was our captain. Right. And so Joe was pretty laid back. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a serious locker room, you know, music went off at, you know, the 10 minute mark or something, uh, you know, so guys could focus on the game, but it wasn't a super serious locker room, uh, which is fine. Cause Joe liked to keep it light. Um, and, and hockey is supposed to be fun, right. It's supposed to be fun, you know, win some games. Like that's what it's about. Um, and then when Joe left, got traded, um, you know, Z came in that next year. And so Z, Z is, is a whole nother level of seriousness, um, on, on a, a professional level, uh, which, which is absolutely great. And the respect that he commands and he gets, uh, is well-deserved. And, and I was lucky enough to be, uh, mentored by him in my young years. Um, but so he can, he, he, his, he took it upon himself to change that whole culture of the Boston Bruins because we had just been mopped with the floor the last year. You know, we, we, we came out of the lockout um, management had a different idea what was going to happen after lockout and it just didn't pan out. And so they brought Z in and Z kind of changed everything uh, on the ice approach, off the ice approach, travel, uh, the professionalism within the team uh, as a whole. Uh, and so that locker room was, was uh, a much more serious locker room uh, because of where we were in the league at the bottom and how we had to climb. Um, but Z set the tone, which, which was awesome for everybody. And as you can see, like, like Bergie picked that up now once he left. And so, uh, Bergie was the same way, you know, the professionalism of doing things the right way, you know, as hard as you can be the hardest working team. Um, so that was, that was a really good locker room, uh, good group of guys moved to Philadelphia where we had, uh, again, got traded there beginning of the year. Uh, so again, a new guy coming in, you know, the one step on his toes, sit back. Watched it all happen, but we had a younger crew there. It was, it was the Scotty Upshaw, uh, Lupul, Carter, Richards, Simone Gagne, uh, Timo Timian, Timo Timian, um, tons of young guys, Hartnell, you know, so it was a younger group uh, that liked to have a little bit more casual, uh, a little more laid back, uh, crazy soccer games before the game. So that was a different locker room. Um, enjoyed it. Bunch of you guys. I uh, wish I would have stayed there, but it didn't pan out. And then moving to Carolina, uh, it was just a completely different feel. Uh, Rod Mer- Brendan Moore was the captain there. Uh, very serious guy again, like Z, uh, but very quiet. So it was just like a very quiet locker room. Um, the feel of it was very different from anywhere else I've been. But uh, you know, they won a cup in 05 after the lockout. So it's like, who, who's to say it's the wrong way? It's just it's just different for every team. Um, and then again, moving on to Vancouver, uh, the twins, uh, you know, Hank being our captain, uh, quiet, quiet confidence in him. Uh, probably some of the, the, the nicest human being I've ever met, you know, both of them are just super nice guys, unbelievable skill, uh, great teammates. And, and it was just more of an all inclusive locker room there where there weren't really many clicks or anything. Everybody you know, was on the same page for everything, whether it was on, on ice, off ice, dinners, meals, um, you know, events, uh, it was just an all-inclusive, real good group. And we had a lot of success there. So, um, you know, Hank did a great job of running the locker room and, and setting the tone, uh, and the culture with the Canucks. 
So that was long-winded, but that's, no, that was- that's, that's awesome. That's what exactly like that, that stuff is fascinating to me. And that's like a part of hockey and like pro hockey. Like you start, I guess now you're starting to see some behind the, behind the scenes a little bit with, uh, you know, the, the, the HBO specials or the, you know, the following the road to the cup type stuff behind the scenes. But like, for me, like seeing, like just hearing what kind of goes on behind closed doors and like what it's really like back there and like how the teams are different and like what kind of a culture is established from the captains or the coaches. Like for me, that's, that's such like the secret recipe for, for teams like winning or losing down the road, you know, down the stretch. So I love, I love peeking in on that. Yeah. I I mean, you guys are both coaches, right? So like you can kind of like see or sense those individuals that have that, that extra drive that it's like, Hey guys, hop on my back. Like, let's go. I'll take you to where we're going. Right. And so that's what those guys were just that, that inner drive, that, that just whatever it is that said, you know, Hey, like follow me. I know the way hop on, let's go. And and I'm going to drive this bus. So um, each one of those guys had it and each one of those guys had a ton of success in their careers. For sure. Uh, I mean, you spent the majority of your career in, in Vancouver being, being a Minnesota kid. Um, well, I mean, what was that like? That's gotta be a, a different culture, right? Like just being in Vancouver, or I mean, maybe it's much the same, right? Like the hockey world is the hockey world, but, and then, and then you had two, you know, Swedish guys as your, as your leaders and, I don't know. Can you, can you dive into to Vancouver a little bit more? I, I grew up like a huge Kessler fan, uh, just the way he played the game. Obviously I don't know him personally, but it seems like the guy, the guy on the ice, like he seems like one of those guys that you'd probably hate to play against, but you'd love him if he's on your team. Um, yeah. do you want to die? I know you guys had some unbelievable runs and I don't know. Can you, can you chat about that just a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so Vancouver it is, I mean, it's an awesome hockey market, like absolutely awesome. Um, just by like the, the town itself, I don't know if you've been there, but surrounded by water and mountains, uh, walk everywhere, great food, great restaurants. People are awesome. Fans are awesome. Like it's just an absolute beautiful place to live. Um, so, so that was like a bonus. Right. And then on top of that, I get traded to a team that's, you know, at, at that, that year, I think we were first or second out there in the West. Um, and we ended up losing the second round, uh, which we, we had, we had a good team, but just, we couldn't put it together in the end there. Um, but moving forward the next two years, president's cup winning trophy or president's trophy winners. Um, you know, we had just weapons on every line, right. We had, you know, right down the middle with, with, with Hank and Cass and, you know, Cass and Burr are probably two of the biggest pricks in the league. Right. Um, but it's hard to hate them because they do everything so well, offense, defense, getting under the skin, killing penalties, power play, scoring goals, big goals. Right. Right. Um, And they're, they're, they're absolute awesome teammates. And so just like what you said, it's like, if you're playing against them, they're the guys you absolutely hate, but when they're on your team, um, you absolutely love them. And and they're great guys off the ice as well. Um, But we had just the skill level that we played with and, and, with, with Vigneo coaching, um, there were, it was more of like, it wasn't like it was, we had a structure, but we had such a veteran team and, uh, a cerebral thinking team with like the twins and the way they thought about the game that he kind of let lines just go. Like first line, like you go, you guys create, but whatever you want to do, do it. Just make sure you get your, your back, your asses back. Right. And you're position so it's like he gave he gave everybody a, a lot of freedom the way they wanted to play and i think we were um you know an old enough wise enough veteran crew that we were able to take what we needed to take the leeway when we needed it or you know take our chances and, and get back and and play safe sound defense uh when we needed to so uh the success we had um it's it just it's our, our power plays were unbelievable but i mean the skill level of our team was just off, off the charts and so uh, I was lucky enough to be a part of that. Um, the run we had in 11 with the, against the Bruins was, was something else. Uh, you know, most offensive team versus the most physical and, and biggest teams in the league, and it made for a great Stanley Cup final. But, but as a whole, Vancouver, um, great hockey market, great fans. Um, the team itself, like I, I mentioned before, uh, you know, everybody was good friends, good buddies. 
uh, no clicks. Uh, everybody got along well, and we were all pulling on the same rope. You know, that was the, that was the most important thing. Yeah, it's awesome. So I could talk about, I mean, I grew up watching, so I grew up in Arizona and I grew up watching the West Western conference. And I mean, you guys were better than anyone else most of the time. So it was fun to watch. Um, along the way, you've had some phenomenal coaches. Is there in the NHL? We'll, we'll talk about NHL coaches and above. Um, Cause obviously you had the legend at, at BC, um, but NHL and above, was, was there any coach that stood out to you? And was there something that, you know, something that you could talk about that really stood out to you. That was like, this guy was a good coach because he did this better than anyone else. It's a good question. So I, I ended up playing for a ton of Stanley cup winners. Um, Mike Sullivan, Dave Lewis, Claude Julian, uh, John Stevens, um, John Tortorella. So, so the last coach I had was Torts and, there's a preconceived notion about torts. Usually most people are right. If you think about it, you know, hard ass, uh, you know, dinosaur, but but like in all reality, like, I I think he is, he is such a student of the game that he's, he's just so detailed in his approach to every aspect of the game, whether it's which way your sticks, the toe of your stick is pointing in a drill or why isn't, your stick three inches over here, why your why your skates pointed that way and why are your shoulders this way and your head's that way on videotape. You're just going through the small things that you're just like, who cares? Like I, I made the play or I didn't make the play, you know? Um his 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 attention to detail uh through video and where he wanted guys was 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 pretty eye-opening just from where I'd been in my career and been through a bunch, a bunch of different coaches. Uh he really impressed upon all that. So that was impressive. And he also, the other thing that really stood out with him is, is his, his relationships with every, every player. Um, I mean, I remember him coming up and just being like, Hey, how's, how's Jackson and Kelly? And I'm like, how does he know my wife and my kid's name? You know, which no other coach, some coaches don't even talk to me. And he knows <laughs> his name and he's asking how he's doing. I'm like, does he, does he know that I'm like a six, seven D man here? Or, or what? Um, so that, but that's, that's him though, too. Like, like the fight that he had with, with uh, Hartley and the, and like the, the flames in the locker room when he went in the hallway, you guys remember that? Oh yeah. So like, like that's like, that's him stepping up for the team. Like that's him like back in the players. Right. So like as crazy as that was as, as players in the locker room, we're like, like, that's, that's awesome. Like, like he's got her back in every situation, right? He's fighting for us too. So that was, that was really cool. Um, other coaches besides that, um, John Stevens stood out to me in Philadelphia. Um, he was, he was, he was a little bit like torts where took, took time to get to know players off the ice a little bit, uh, about our background, the best ways, how we react to motivation, whether it's yelling at me or putting me on the bench to ride the pine, you know, what's going to motivate me. Um, but just a guy that had um, wanted to spend more time with each player just to get the best, get to know you better so that he could get the most out of you. So um, that, that was cool. I was, I, I mean, he called me into his office one time and I'm just like, I'm like, oh, she's like, what did I do? You know, and he's like, Hey, how was your weekend? I'm like, it was good. Like, did he know I was at the bar or what? <laughs> What's he got you know? on me? <laughs> he's, he's like, I just want to know what you did this weekend. I'm like, I'm like, uh, saw some buddies, had a couple of beers. He's like, that's it. I'm like, yeah. He's, he's like, awesome. All right, we'll have a good practice. And I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> you know? But like, yeah, like he cares. Like he cares. And that's that's what players want to know that you they got your back and they want the best for you and they want to motivate you to get the best out of you. So yeah. um it's give and take. And so coaches like that, I I love playing for. Yeah. Absolutely. That's awesome. I love hearing about how the different coaches and different styles and how they, they interact with the players. I think that's kind of like I touched on before. That's kind of like, I don't know, as a coach, I'm always kind of, kind of trying to craft that. Like I, I take pieces of, you know, my own personality, my own experience with, you know, positive coaches, my own negative experience with coaches. And that's kind of like how it builds how I coach kids now. You know, that's the way I stay in the game now is trying to make a positive impact on those, those players and those kids I work with. And so that kind of brings me to my next question for you is, is how are you staying involved in the game nowadays? And, 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 you know, we've talked offline about, about part of this, but how are you staying involved in the game? What are you doing now that you're not playing 
you know, your playing days are behind you. How are you, how are you making a, making an impact on the game now? Uh, so when I first moved up, I moved up to Boston back in 2015, uh, from Minnesota. It was, uh, my wife's from out here and she spent a winter in Minnesota and she's like, this, <laughs> this is not going to happen. So <laughs> pull the plug, huh? Yeah, minus 45, minus 45 wind chill today. That's yeah. so cool today. It's, it's still cold out here and we're going to get yeah. snow on Saturday. So I don't know what the difference is. But, um, so I moved out here and just to get back into it, I, I thought, well, for me, the biggest part of my game was like the whole like process of development. Right. And like, I love if I could share what I have gained knowledge wise with, with younger kids. And so, um, I would use just private instruction, uh, instructionals on the ice, uh, or go through video with kids off the ice just to help them kind of see the game from a, from a, a higher level, if you will. Um, and show them like what I see in plays and what I see them doing and what type of player they are. Because nowadays you guys know, it's like every player wants to like toe drag, you know, through the triangle, through the legs, you know, backhand toe drag, you know, like, it's like, no, like dump it in the corner and let's go get it. You know, some guys more just like, Hey, make a smart play, do a soft chip that you can skate to it and then keep going. Right. Or put it off the goaltender and get the rebound, you know, just simple things like that, that players don't always think about because they just watch NHL tonight and they see highlights and goals. And it's like, yeah. it's, you can't, it's not the way the game's played. Like it, it, those are the highlights, but what happened before that to get to that point is what you try to really impress upon them. So that was how I kind of stayed in the game. Um, work with different players and obviously coaching my kids. I've got two young kids. So, uh, I've been running the mic program, uh, with over here and helping them out, which is a blast because these guys just want to skate and play and there's nothing else associated. It's just like dad, put on my stuff, like, let's go. And they just want to have fun. And that's what it's about. And so, uh, to see kids out there doing that, um, and to have the ability to kind of steer them the right way, uh, to keep developing their skills and, and, uh, the learn about hockey and how to play it. Um, it's a pretty cool thing to do to, to get out there and, and, you know, they're a sponge and whatever I tell them, uh, you know, it's, it's going to help their development. So um, that's a big thing. And then uh, also I started working with uh, sense arena, the VR uh, hockey training platform uh, a few months ago, uh, took on the role as player developer. And it's been an absolute blast uh, taking on this new technology that um, in my mind, it's, it's very hard to replicate. Um because you are literally putting the game scenarios and you have to make decisions. Um, and so what we're doing is we're trying to train uh, hockey sense, basically more or less um, through a virtual reality program. Yeah. And so Andrew, this is where, yeah, I want, this is what I wanted to get into and have, let, give you an opportunity to give you a quick rundown of like what it is. And, and we're going to talk about this in kind of the, um, you know, after our interview too, but, you know, I've used it. I know Danny's used it. it it's, you know, essentially you've got an, an Oculus or some sort of other virtual reality headset on, you've got attachment pieces that go onto the stick so you can get some vibration, look and feel the puck. And essentially you immerse yourself into like, into virtual reality. And there's, there's people like yourself, there's other pros, there's other coaches making up drills and trying to work on hockey sense and reaction times and hockey IQ and all sorts of different intangibles in virtual reality and like it blows me away because i've done it a handful of times and and, and I, I see so much potential in it and where it's going that it's like not only is it there where it's a beneficial tool right now for players and, and goalies and but i see like the potential in it and it's so i think it's so cool and like i geek out on it so give us a rundown of like where where you're at with it and what's going on and 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 how players can benefit from it yeah absolutely um so, so just to start as you mentioned it's, it's a vr uh, headset through either the Oculus or another way. Um, but, uh, you are provided for the player version with a stick mount, a haptic stick mount that does vibrate when you pass and shoot the puck because there is no actual puck that we are shooting physical puck that is. So that gives you the vibration in, in the feel of the puck. Um, but in all, in all, what it really is, is, is it's, you know, the cognitive part of the game we've neglected for so long. We've done, the physical training part of it, the nutrition, the rest, like that, that is what we've, we've conquered. I feel like in this cognitive training is something that has just been lacking. And the fact that we can immerse you, as you mentioned, into a hockey arena and have you going through drills that you wouldn't be able to get these reps anywhere else. Right. You can get them in practice, but if you do a drill in practice as a player, you might get three or four reps per drill. Like now I can put you in a scenario and we can do 
eight, 10, 20 reps in three minutes, right? right. Of the different drills of you reading and reacting to the situation. And I, I'm forcing you to make a decision on that play. So what we've done is we've actually put you in a position where we've already created time and space and now you make a play. So um, it, what it's really doing is affording, uh, you know, it affords you uh, reps that you can't get anywhere else. Um, and that's part of it. The other part could be using it as visualization before a game or practice to prime your brain to get uh, your brain moving and thinking about what am I going to do in the game today? Um, so we have our goaltenders doing that on the goalie platform. The goalie version, obviously, uh, it's very different from the player because they are in that crease area. Uh, but then it's 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 such a great tool because you have the working around screens, the release off the blade that you can actually see the puck release off the blade, and you can see where is that puck going. It, it's the technology, as you mentioned, it's 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 this is just the infancy of it, and it's just going to go up from here. You said you're trying to train hockey sense. I, I would say you are like. When, uh, when I put those things on the idea of like one as a coach, like you don't have to go and get pucks and you yeah. don't have to go and retrieve pucks. Like as a coach, right. like, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Just game changer for Danny. <laughs> you just do something. Boom. There it is. I had, I had the like epiphany, like at the end of a practice, you should just be able to push pucks into a corner and then the corner sucks it in and it reloads it yeah. for the next kid. Um, I, I just hate, I hate <laughs> crown pucks. I hate that. Um, but I'm so good at it, which is why I make such a great assistant coach just pushing pucks around. But, um, and then, then the idea, like, I think the biggest thing for me is what hockey sense has done is it, it's made every drill and every rep important because every single thing you do is for a purpose. And like on the hockey rink, you, you warm up, you got to do all these different things. Then you do these flow drills that coaches call them. And, and then there's nothing nothing of value there for the kid to get better other than like just getting kind of revved up. Right. And, and this, it's like you, every single thing you do has a purpose to it. It's got a, it's got an aspect to it that you can't get anywhere else. And like, yeah, we're, we're definitely incorporating. And I just, I just passed it along to, uh, you know, a, a friend of mine who coaches the division one level and her and, and her son are, are just loving it. And so it's uh, it's something that, it's going to be one of those FOMO things. Like people are going to be, you know, fear of missing out on it. And it's, uh, it's good. It's, it's, it's good for kids. And it's, like I said, it's made every drill important. So, I mean, I'm a fan. Absolutely. No, absolutely. And that's, that's a cool thing. It's teaching you offensively and, and defensively. So it's like offensively, all right, where is my support and where should it be? And then I also need to make the decision of where I find it. Uh, and then defensively, you also need to track players to see where they're at. Um, so that you're kind of working on both your offense and defensive game uh, in a way because you should be, as a player, starting to memorize or count players, I call it, of where they are on the ice and where your support should be to find the right play. So it's uh, you hit it right on the head there with uh, it's, it's a learning tool in, in every drill that you have uh, in so many different ways. For sure. That's awesome. Um, I've, got a, I've got a funny story about the first time I used it, but I'm going to save it and I'm going to talk about it with Danny. I'm too shy to tell you, Andrew. No, I'm just kidding. I'll tell you offline here, but we're going, to, we're going to put in the outro and you're going to think, Oh my gosh, Pete's an idiot. But <laughs> we, in this, for the sake of time, we need to wrap up the interview here. Um, I think we've, we've touched on a, a lot of great things, Andrew, you've shared some awesome insight for the, the parents and players and coaches and everybody that's listening. Um, so w- with respect to your time, Andrew, and, and time to wrap things up, you know, we, we like to go and give some advice to the listeners at the end here. And so why don't we, why don't we jump in with a little bit of advice that you could extend to anybody that's listening um, for the uh, you know, for the, the hockey players that are whatever level they might be, whether it's house or B or A or travel or, or juniors or college or whatever, what advice would you extend to a youth hockey player that is aspiring to continue in hockey and reach higher levels, whatever that might be? Uh, there's two things that, that stand out to me is, is, is one, uh, as a player, you're going to have your ups and downs, right? And we know that you can't get too high, you can't get too low, and some things might seem devastating at one point. But if you keep believing in yourself, and as cliche as it sounds, like believe in yourself and your process and where you want to get to, and if you have that drive within you, uh, you just keep what you're do- doing what you're doing. And if you keep working hard and put your head down, you're going to get to where you want to be if you make the right sacrifices. So that's part of it. Um, and then also 
out, out east here, it's a little bit different than in the Midwest. Um, is that you, you get kids that chase, we, I, I call it chasing, chasing teams, chasing coaches, where moving from team to team or coach to coach every year, trying to get to the better team to be seen by more scouts, more players. Um, but I feel like they don't realize that there's no, there's no scouts with contracts, NHL contracts in the stands for a U10 game, right? Or U, U12. Stay with your process. Stay with a coach that's going to help you develop. And, and that's, that's your best bet to get to where you're going. Find a coach that believes in you and wants you to get better every year, uh, every shift. You know, every, every time you hit the ice, you should be trying to get better. And if your coach is on that plan and he's bringing you through it as a development plan, and that's who you want to stay with. You know, you don't have to chase coaches and teams uh, playing at higher levels just to prove that you can play. Uh, if you're a good player, somebody will find you. There's probably a lot of scouts at your uh, house games. I got to imagine. Oh, man. That's why <laughs> I ended up where I did. I know. I think, I think that's such a cool story. Um, speaking of that, like just the coaches that you had. Yeah. I mean, you, you literally played at the highest level. And um, what – what advice would you give to those coaches out there that are listening that, um, you know, could help them just get better at what they're doing? I, I think, you know, as a coach and, and starting to become one now, just with my kids, it's, it's the way that you present yourself, the attitude you bring, uh, the message that you send uh, pre-practice, during practice, the way you speak to players. Um, I continue to always try to be positive and build them up no matter what they're doing. And, use every moment that I can as a, as a teaching moment, if something is wrong or they didn't do something right um, to give them an idea um, of what is right. But then it's also, they need to make the decision the next time, right? Because they need to learn that. Um, so I like to put players in a position that they need to figure it out themselves. The drill becomes the teacher, but everything I do is, is always positive and, and, and it's just, it, if you give up on a kid, you're going to absolutely crush a kid. And, mm -hmm. and, as coaches, like that is the number one. We'll never give up on kids. Just always believe in your kids and keep pushing them. And you give them everything you can, and it's up to them to, you know, take it or leave it and keep developing. So all the coaches out there, um, just don't stop pushing your players uh, no matter what happens. Uh, stay positive with them. I love that. And not, not every kid's going to make it to the NHL or even college hockey, but if a kid sticks with hockey long enough, they're going to learn a very valuable lesson about life in, in some way. And so – I agree with that. Stick with them, help them out, teach them, teach them whatever you can, whether you play in the NHL or whether you're just a, a dad or a mom volunteering uh, to, to make these kids better. So thank you so much for your time uh, in the let's go hockey fashion. We'd love if you could give us a, uh, a let's go before uh, we'll do, we'll do some, some closing words after that, but if we can get a nice little let's go, that'd be awesome. Let's go. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. Any, any final thoughts or closing words to leave the, uh, the listeners with, um, go wild, Can go wild. <laughs> what a hockey day. So I don't know when this is going out, but what a hockey day we had fun to watch, right? It was fun to watch. I got, I got to watch it from the bench of the, the outdoor stadium. I watched on the Jumbotron. It was like the coolest awesome. moment of my life. I peaked, I peaked last weekend. So it was phenomenal. All downhill for your free for your heater, huh? It's all it downhill. was awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, well, stuff went on in the intro and outro. So we, we appreciate your time and thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Happy to be here guys. Awesome. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew Alberts. We appreciate you coming on the let's go hockey podcast. It uh, was fun having you on here and listen to your story. And if you fast forward, if you miss some parts, or maybe you just need to listen to it again, because the story is something that's going to help a lot of hockey players. So go ahead and share this with somebody like this, hit it, hit it with a cross check and, and make sure people know about this because it's a really cool story. And as usual, we always go through our three stars of the night just like after any NHL game, you go through the three stars. We're doing that here on the podcast. So I'll jump in here. Third star, we're going to jump right into Sense Arena. And the reason why it's third star is because I wanted to talk about it right away. The things <laughs> that they're doing, they're, the training packages, it's for players, it's for goalies. It's You can also, on the Oculuses, because I, I got sent one from them. And then, you know, I did the sense arena stuff and I was like, oh, you can, you can play golf on here. So I was hitting <laughs> some range balls, uh, uh, 
So you can do everything. You really took things. full advantage of that Sensorina programming, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the Sensorina is obviously separate from the Top Golf app, but uh, it was really cool to be able to to be in the game. And now they have things where it's like real people coming down, and then it it jumps on the ice and, and makes plays for you. So it's it's really cool and unique. And make sure you go check out Sensorina and everything that they're doing because they're always doing awesome things. And so the second star of the night for me is just for understanding that this guy played in the national hockey league and you see stats thrown around all the time. Like the percentage of players that actually play in the national hockey league is so small and this guy did it. And so being able to see that and and him playing 10 seasons of professional hockey is, is mind boggling. And so if you, if you haven't heard it, or if you haven't, you know, if you haven't, if you didn't listen well enough, or if you haven't heard of this guy, go check him out on Instagram and, and all those things, because this guy played hockey at the, the highest level you could possibly do it. And he's got a lot of stuff to share. And so thanks again for coming on. Uh, kind of leads into first star of the night. Take it away, coach. First star, I'm going to go back to um, his story about his youth hockey. And I think that there, there's a, not only is it a great story about how, you know, he came up through uh, through youth hockey and he got into where he's going to play Minnesota high school hockey and he was getting cut from teams and he just wasn't, you know, he's a big kid and everyone said he was too slow and couldn't skate well enough. And he got cut. He was in a, a position where he got cut from every team. And he, you know, he, you listen to the episode, he walked through, he got cut from this one and then this one and then this one and then this one. And he was stuck with house hockey and he was in house hockey and, and he was able to, go from there. And then you fast forward and guys, that guys, an NCAA all American two-time all American for Boston college after USHL career jumps into the NHL. Right. So like, I guess the story that he, he didn't give up when he didn't make teams. And, and even more so than that, I think the huge takeaway here is, is for the time when he got cut from teams, played in house hockey, worked his way into high school. He played at Benilde, which is a private school in Minneapolis. And he talked about how his, his coach pulled him aside and basically it was like, you know, how good do you want to be? Do you want to be in the NHL? I think you can make, you know, you can make a real impact on this game. And, and I think that the real, for me, the takeaway in all of that story is not only not giving up and not accepting where other people put you, but is also the, the, um, the positive impact that a coach can have on a kid's life. And, you know, that coach, pulling him aside when he was in, uh, I think he, I think he said he was a sophomore in high school at that time, the coach pulling him aside and saying he believed in him was a, a, like a fork in, in, in Andrew's life and in a, in a positive moment in his life. And that coach made a positive impact on him and set him, set him on this trajectory that, you know, ended with making a career in the NHL and, and, you know, different path in his life than he, he expected. And I think that that's, you know, that, that reiterates the power the positive influence and the power that a, a coach can have on a, on a young athlete and, and positive impact on their life. So for me, I love that. I think that's um, a, a huge takeaway from this episode for me was, was really highlighting uh, that never give up attitude, but also the, the positive impact that a coach can have on a, on a young hockey player's life. So good on you coaches, make sure you're, you're being that guy that's given that, that positive influence on the coaches. So that's what yeah. I got, man. That's my first star. I, I love this interview. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, he did an awesome job. Thanks again for coming on. And every coach, like you're either going to impact the player negatively or positively. And so every day, I hope you wake up choosing the positive side. And and parents, you know, sometimes you got to remember too, like, hey, this coach isn't waking up every day and saying, I want to make this kid's life miserable. Um, at least I hope they're not. And so continue, continue to make this world a better place. And so thank you so much again, uh, Andrew, for coming on. And I'm sure we'll have him on again because, I mean, the guy who played in the NHL. I like talking to guys who played in the NHL or gals that played at, at a high level in the Olympics or, or you know, pro hockey on that side too. So all good. So we appreciate you coming on. Any final thoughts, Coach? Final thoughts. I'm just excited to, to push this one out there. I, I know summer's starting for a lot of people and it, it works into where, you know, you might not have ice available to you depending on where you are in the country or the world. And, you know, Sensorina might be worth, worth a look. And, um, but with summer coming, I mean, now is where, where kids can, can work hard, can train not only their bodies, but their, their, their minds and make, uh, make huge gains before next season and also hit the golf course. Right. Right. Danny hit the golf course, do, do your project hockey workouts. We are doing some really cool. We revamped our, our association, uh, how we work with associations and teams and we're basically giving it away for free. So 
shoot us an email if you're a team or association or coach listening to this so we can get your get your group hooked up but a uh, little plug there for project hockey uh everybody keep enjoying enjoying the off season and let's go let's go